weird, sick, perverted fascination with earwax that no one needs. No one needs. No one needs, Jason. No one needs. Welcome to On the Reg. (laughs) You can't segue away from that, can you? It's just like, it's just like, (laughs) like... I'm destroyed now. I cannot. I can't even think about how we're going to podcast after that. <laughs> we have to. We're on the clock. Let's go. Let's go. We're okay, professionals. Right, yeah, we're professionals. Yeah, yeah, right uh, welcome to On the Reg. I'm Professor Inga Muburn from the Australian National University, but I'm better known as Thesis Whisperer on the internet. And I'm here with my good friend, Dr. Jason Downs from La Trobe University for another episode of On the Reg, where we talk about work, but you know, not in a boring way. Practical, implementable productivity hacks to help you live a more balanced life. Now, before we get started, although we work at a couple of awesome universities, the social media policies of one of them means that I have to say that this podcast is not connected to our universities, nor are we representing them. On the Reg is our own endeavour. Welcome, Jason. How have you been since we last caught up? Minus the story about the earwaps, please. Yeah, I'm not going to tell that one. I'm not going to tell that. Um, It's been meat grinder, as you would expect, because after our last pod where we talked about the meat grinder a lot, well, you mm. talked about the meat grinder a I lot. I did, yeah. I, yeah. I've been thinking deeply about the meat grinder, and it's only been a week between recording, which is unusual for us. Normally there's yes. a break of a couple of weeks at least, but so so there's not a lot been going on. What I can say is that it's pretty hectic at work at the moment. To cope with that, I've doubled down on jiu-jitsu and going to the gym. That's a healthy reaction. It's better than eating hot chips. It's better than eating hot chips, but, oh, yes. my God, it makes me tired. Yes. Like just, well, yeah, yeah. We, we aren't spring chickens no more, Jason. No, no. <laughs> I, um, I went yesterday afternoon, number one son went sailing. So he's picked up sailing as a pastime. I think. So he's only just learning how to do that, really. Over the winter, he sailed with the a coach, the person that runs the, the sailing club, and they have like little the dinghy, little person, dinghies. The captain? I've been, watching oh, a lot. I've been watching a lot of Below Deck, so I have all the ah, yachting. Welcome. All the yachting. Isn't it the best? <laughs> yachting. I don't know you if you would say that if you'd actually watch Below Decks, Jason, but. No, no, no. I, I'm like. Absolutely, we're addicted here in the Downs household to blow no. decks. No, I yeah. didn't know that you and I shared this. Oh my yeah. god, we could have been oh, talking yeah. about blow decks this whole time. <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. First thing I went and did was learn how to tie a bowline, right? Because <laughs> apparently, and the spring lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. if you can't tie a bowline, you can't be a bosun or a first no, mate or anything. You're not a yachty. You're not a proper yachty. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Do you let Downs Junior watch watch Below Decks? Is yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah, family there's, affair. There's a lot of g-string action in. Uh, do, you, do you fast forward through the saucy bits? And no? some of the some of the episodes because we don't we don't whatever streaming platform it's on. Yes. Um we don't subscribe to that streaming platform, so we oh. we have to put up with a poor man's version, which yeah. is. Seven plus, I think, is it's oh. on that. Oh, do they cut it? Do they cut it for that? No, 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 they don't cut it. But yeah. like, and so it's just, I don't know, it's just cruddy. And then all of a sudden, you see all sorts of stuff that probably you shouldn't see. It's like <laughs> it pops up. It's like, look at that. Hello. <laughs> if yeah. you've never watched Below Deck, listeners, it is like probably the trashiest TV show I've ever watched in my life, and I love it. I love it yeah. so much. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty yeah. 
Yes, so uh, jiu-jitsu. More jiu-jitsu than I'm used to in a week, uh, which is good. But yesterday, I don't see any Band-Aids on your face, though. That's unusual. No, it's very mm. good, right? Mm. Like getting mm. better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> blue belt, not getting, blue belt. Not getting my face mashed into the ground quite so much. <laughs> um, but I yesterday afternoon I rolled out, I like finished rolling, and I was so exhausted that my hands were shaking. You know, like when you're just oh, completely, yeah. Yeah. you completely just destroy yourself and mm. that was me yesterday i was just like my hands were all shaky and i'm like oh that was a tough session anyway that's me good well that was short. that was short work, banter even though we padded it out there <laughs> <laughs> work and exercise that's about it really yeah, well, you know, there's this song that Brendan introduced me to on YouTube. But the refrain goes something like, we work to earn the right to work, to earn mm. the right to work. And it does feel like that a bit, actually, this yeah. week for me too, yeah. You know how I was complaining about my work being a meat grinder and everything was too busy? Mm-hmm. Um, on Thursday, Wednesday, when did I text you? Maybe Wednesday. Wednesday. I just, I lost it, Jason. Like, middle of the day, I'm like, this is fully fucked. And I'm sick of it. And I spent an hour writing an email to my boss about exactly how fully fucked everything was. Like, and then I got Luke to come and read it. I'm like, do you you think, can you read this? Like, I'm not sure I should send this or not. And he kind of went, "Mm, it's a good email, but you know, maybe you want to have lunch first. Come and have some carbs. (laughs) (laughs) I got back and I'm like, and and the very good man. Like, like, he's a good man. He does sensible. He does balance me off very well. And then, um, yeah, at the end I wrote in a kind of sulky sort of 14-year-old manner, I don't want any help with this. I'm just telling you how it is. I'll cope, but, you know, it's not okay. And then I thought, fuck it, I sent it. I got a response pretty quickly and it was like, Inga, would you like to come in and see me? I'm like, oh, fuck. No, not really. Not really. I don't want to talk about it. Anyway, um. Mm. And then I thought, well, if I'm going to go in, I'm going to bring my data. Yeah. Right? So I pulled out my timing data. I'm like, yeah, fuck, these weeks are massive. This yeah. project is, this is how much time it's eating. I had it all prepared with graphs. Yep. And then Good. you know what else I did? I went and I counted exactly how many emails I'd exchanged with other people. Mm-hmm. For instance, with just one thing that went wrong with this thing that I was trying to fix, there were 71 mm-hmm. emails, just one mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I had all my data and I walked in and you know what? My boss had solved everything. She'd found two more people and I just, I only got to mention the 71 emails. I didn't get to put my data down on the table. She didn't even let me. She was like, okay, I've solved your problem. Here you go. Hand over to these two people. So I did. That took an hour of like, uh, this is happening. Oh, you'll have to fix this. And then, you know, this, this other thing. And then, oh, don't forget X, you know, like it took an Mm. hour to explain to hand over this. And now it's no longer my problem. And life's gone back to ordinary busy really quickly. Wow. So the moral of this story is maybe bosses are there sometimes to help you not work so hard and maybe no. like maybe I was letting hero culture get to me a little uh, bit, Jason. Yes. You know? The and only like, person who can do this is the Inga person. And then my team are like, well, look at what Inga just did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Inga, why don't you do that more often? I'm like, no, no, team, no, this works because I don't ever do that. Like yeah. when I when I do that, people know that I've really seriously lost my shit. Then yeah. you know, I mean it. I'm not fucking around. Yeah. I'll put the explicit tab on this one because anyway, it it um 
Ordinary busy Jason feels pretty cruisy, As a to be honest. Fancy. Yeah. It's all, it's all scotch and cigars with the feet yeah, up on the desk. Yeah, just like, you know, literally sitting on the couch reading, you know, on right. Friday afternoon, which, you know, by the way, is my job to, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, we have this book that we have to do oh, and yeah. it does require like reading. In yeah. order to write things. And I yes. thought, no, this is my job. I'm sitting on the couch. See, my couch is behind me. Now I've got a little, like, table for my cup of tea and I've nice. got a blanket and, you know, you'll see there's a pillow there because, yes, I do recline while I'm reading, <laughs> lying down on the job. So, you know, so that's my week. I, you know, I, there's, I've there's got no to have the meat could... grinder. I've got to have the meat grinder. It's amazing. There's no way I could recline and read. I'd be asleep. Like, you know that's my superpower, Right. <laughs> Going to sleep with a book in your hand? No, with a, I don't even need a book. Oh, okay. Like, going to sleep. I can go to sleep at the drop of a hat. Mm. Like it's, this is a it's, very good superpower to have. I wish it I had is a that. Super, it is a superpower of mine. I don't know how I've developed it, but bless. I I can I can set my I can set a timer for seven minutes. Lie down, go to sleep, yes. and I'm yes. fully asleep when the timer goes off. No. Fully asleep. Have you always dreaming. been able to do this? Yeah, pretty much. I can oh sleep my god! Oh god! I hope you never lose this because it's like sucky not being able to go to sleep. I can't, I can't tell you how useful the power nap is. So, like a seven minute sleep will recharge me for a whole afternoon. Oh my god! I can never power nap. By the time I actually nap, it's been like an hour. No. And I mean, I have to read something really boring even to feel sleepy. Mind no, you, there's a lot of boring books. Put, put, put my head on the, I put my head on the pillow and I close my eyes and I say, I'm going to go to sleep now. And that's it. It's the last thing oh, that goes through my head. God, I kind of hate you for this. And at the same time, I'm in <laughs> awe. So I did go out on the school night though last week since we're recording this today on the 22nd of October. So if all these weird things have happened in the world since. That's why we're not talking about it. Yeah. Um, and we'll put it up in a couple of weeks time. But you know, yeah. So I went out on a school night t- twice in, twice in two weeks. This is like, pretty amazing for me my friend stan <laughs> launched his book um Ooh. his first book it's delightful it's called what yeah. is the what is the it uh, i'll talk and? about it in the book section yes okay. uh, my my friend stan is delightful he's one yes. of the most delightful human beings i know and he is a the chief publishing officer at the high court and he does the most high stakes editing job in the country he is the last person to touch high court judgments before they get published Yes, that would be life or death editing. Yes, you know, get it wrong. It's like not only soups embarrassing, but if no one spots it, then you know the law might not be able to be applied properly. Yeah, yeah. So he's, uh, he's, uh, yeah. It's pretty good. I'm going to talk about in the book section though, because it's come to my attention this week mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. a number of our listeners are law people and actually know of his work. So I will review it. (gasps) Ah. It's a bi- um, it's a completely biased review, just so you all know in advance. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yes, I well qualified to write a book. I would suggest Stan. Um, yes, yes. Well, well qualified to write a book. Speaking of the law, high court, a high court judgment. Yes, high court judgment about Teslas. Well, not actually about Teslas, but about, about EVs. Ele- yeah, electric electric vehicles in Victoria. Mm, mm, mm. Dan and his cohort have been – it's not Dan anymore, it's someone else. Anyway, slapping a tax on electric vehicles. Yes. Uh, and it was ruled unconstitutional. Stan uh, would have read this one then. 
Well, Stan knew all about it, but Stan is like the most discreet person you've ever met. Like he's always yeah. working on, you know, Clive Palmer's cases and yeah. like yeah. all the ones that you want to hear all the juicy gossip about. And he's yeah. just, he will not say a word. We just say, oh, are you working on X? And he'll just raise his eyebrows and we're like, tell us, tell us, tell us, Dan. <laughs> and he, but what he does do is as soon as someone's press go on the public, he sends this little text message about the ones that we're interested in. So we, uh, we have been, got the early heads up on this one. Do you know how long that judgment was that he had to proofread? Uh, no. Um, 133,000 words. That's a lot. I didn't realise <clears throat> they were so long until Stan's book launched and I'm like, holy moly. I thought he was like proofreading intensely like seven or eight pages uh-huh. of really dense text, like, you know, clause 3.5 point whatever, yeah. 133,000 words. That's like a thesis and a half. I complain you know when I'm just doing a thesis that's like 80,000 words. I don't know how he does it. Week in, week well, out. Crazy. Well, I think the their honours could be a little bit more efficient with their words maybe. They don't need 133,000 words. You'll never know from Stan whether that's the case because he's very <sighs> diplomatic because judges, like, you know, they're like they're Come like on, how hard, how hard is it, right? Like no tax <laughs> for the electric vehicles. Let's like, yeah, say no. Look, I've looked at it and I reckon no. See, yeah. that would be enough. Like trust me, I'm a judge. I've looked at it real carefully and yeah. I say no. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But their their ways are subtle and they are quick to anger, just like wizards. Oh, okay. Mm. okay. <laughs> Should we get onto the mailbag? Because yep, we are on the clock this morning. Let's let's take yeah. our time dividend because we haven't had much time to do anything to banter about. There is a letter here from mm-hmm. Lucy Floors. It's not coloured in pink, but oh, would you like to read it out? You can no. read it out. No. <laughs> no <laughs> Should I colour it for you? No. There you go. <laughs> If it's not in pink, I don't do it. Letter from Lucy Floors. Dear Inga. Oh, fine, Lucy. No, it's because you know know why that is, of course. Why is that? Because she couldn't find your email address, Jason. (laughs) It's a strategy and it works and that's all I'm saying. (laughs) Dear Inga, I've been a fan of On The Reg for a while after being pointed your way by my academic sister. I'm not a real academic, but trying to plough my way through my Master of Science while working in healthcare planning. I've been dipping in and out. And by the way, you are like, if you're working your way through a Master of Science, you're an academic. Yeah, like, we count. You don't, we count. You do count, Lucy. Yeah, yeah. People you're don't one do this stuff for fun. One yeah. of us. One of us. Yeah. I've been dipping in and out of your thesis whisperer blog for helpful writing tips and was scanning your recent post on Chatty G with my screen brightness down low trying to get my three-year-old off to sleep. Mm-hmm. Whereupon... I read about the penis of inf- misinformation. <laughs> Alas, on rereading it, it was the perils, but <laughs> perhaps the P <laughs> perhaps the P of misinformation will make the academic romance novel <laughs> all the best. Many thanks for your help with my master of science so far. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it was more of a thesis whisperer fan mail than a than on the reg fan mail, but thank you, Lucy. It made me laugh a lot. I think I said yes. the perils of misinformation, but you know. <laughs> On the theme of copy editing, which was the book that Stan did, you know, he talks a lot about how you can just misread and your brain makes things up and has these schemas for recognising words. It speeds up the reading a lot, so your brain's doing a lot of guessing. That's why copy editing is so hard. Um, But I'm not making any comment, Lucy, on the fact that your brain guessed went straight to penis. No, no. No no comment. (laughs) No comment whatsoever. Hey, at the moment we're 
I've, I've told you that we're doing um, re-registration, right? Hmm. And so to help us along with this sort of stuff, we've got a whole bunch of templates that we use to help structure the information and um, uh, the stuff that we get back from, from the university and put it into order. Hmm. And I don't know what's going on, but I cannot for the life of me get Microsoft Word to adequately or to actually spell check um, on these templates. Like, oh. and I have, I have tried everything. There's no red squiggly line, right? Weird. I cannot tell you how dependent I have become on the red squiggly <laughs> line. <laughs> it's like I've forgotten how to spell, right? Oh, so, I don't. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Machines all the way, man. I've been re- like, and so we'll write these things, uh, and then you'll go back and you'll reread them because you've got to edit and like. Like it's it's detail work, right? Like mm-hmm. moving stuff around and it has to all be in the right order and blah 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 blah. Um, and oh my god, it's like a <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't even begin to tell you. It's like a drunk monkey had a go sometimes, <laughs> and it's just like that is not a real world real word, Jason Downs. You can't <laughs> you can't type that and then send that off to somebody else to read. Like that that does not make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> I thought I was a really accurate typist and then it was pointed out to me that Microsoft Word was just cleaning up. It wasn't even giving me red lines on most things. It was just cleaning me up. It's like, oh, no, we know you didn't mean that word, Inga. We know it just yeah, yeah. all the simple transpositions now, it just does it yeah. automatically. Yeah. So you don't even know how bad you are. I, I do know how bad I am because I've now you got do. the evidence. <laughs> it's like terrible. There you go. And so I, it feels like going back to student days. Like I have to go back and I actually have to go, oh, okay, hang on, brain, like read every word. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it is. It's all the transpositions and those sorts of things. And yeah. It's just like I try, I try to write the word educational. Which is a word we would use fair, fr- fairly frequently, both of us. Yeah, probably. not the way I yeah. spell it. <laughs> Did you write it educational? Because something like I said that, that as a know. joke, and then sometimes I write it. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. It's terrible. Uh, let's hear. Let's let's hear from Lucy. She's going to talk to us about email. Different Lucy. This is Lucy Sweetman. Yes, we had Lucy Floors. Well spotted. Lucy Floors now. Lucy Sweet. Hi, Inger and Jason. This is Lucy Sweetman calling from the UK uh, with a question from my work in a British university. Uh, I'm a long time listener of OTR um, and also an occasional social media botherer. But anyway, um, <laughs> so we have just moved wholesale from the Google environment into Microsoft uh, 365. Welcome. And there's a lot of grumbling about <clears throat> this happening in the first place. Um, but the thing that I've come to realize is that institutionally, it's going to be very valuable for those professional services colleagues who work around solely around projects who um, have stuff that they need to do, whether that's in admissions or it's in well-being or whichever team it is. Or us, Jason. Being on mm-hmm. teams all day and sitting in teams with your team, looking at the same folders, <laughs> having chats, being able to meet is going to work really well for those teams. Um, for me as a leader of a, of a course, an undergraduate course, working with a variety of fractional staff, email seems to me the best place to be centering my work. Um but I wonder what you think about that and whether there's a good way for me to kind of combine the email and teams and try to get everybody on teams. Cause that's what it would take. Anyway, that's my question. This is the thing that has been bothering me since we've switched over on the, during the summer. Love to hear from you. 
Take care. Bye. That's a good question. Thank you, Lucy. <clears throat> it does really speak to the way that the different platforms have these different affordances or things they allow you to do or not do, don't they? And definitely Teams has been designed explicitly with office workers working on projects in mind. And for you and I, that works quite a lot because we, a lot of our work is project, but a lot of my work is also teaching and we do manage our teaching through the Teams board now. But I wonder what, what are your initial thoughts on that? Jason? This one's really, really hard. So I actually sit within uh, this kind of really unique spot in that I I have a couple of teams that like I, I work with. They, I've got the academic integrity team. I've got the academic standards team. But I'm dealing with academics a lot, mm. right? So um, especially associate deans learning and teaching. But not just them. Like I'll often have calls to reach out to a specific academic about a specific thing. And what I've found is that I think the go-to the go-to strategy for academics is turn teams off, or to like, mm. or to at least only have it on for small parts of the day. So what I've found is that mostly, if I want to talk to an academic, email. Mm. I'll, I'll send an email and I'll get a response reasonably quickly. But if I want to try and reach them on Teams, I was, so for, for example, I had a query from a particular academic a little while ago. I tried to reach out to explain to her how to fix her particular problem and it involved screen sharing to be able mm. to do that. Mm. And I was like, oh, I'll just share my screen with you on Teams. And, and she was like, can you do that? Oh, bless. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yes, you can. And so, you know, I had to coach her through how to screen share on, mm-hmm. on Teams. Mm. And very smart, very, very, very smart, very, very, very capable person, but mm. she freely admitted to me that she doesn't use Teams at all, like just mm. hasn't turned off all the time. And just she deals with her academic work through her email, which is fine, right? Like I'm, I'm okay with that. Mm. Um on the other hand, because I'm dealing an awful lot with professional services across the university, everything from admissions through to progressions to complaints to like you name it, right? Like I'm dealing, hmm. those folk are on Teams and it's a quick, hey, are you available right now? I just want to talk to you about this particular thing. And they'll get yeah. back to you straight away. It's like, yep, yeah, no, can't talk right now. See me in an hour. Or, yep, no worries, let's talk. Yep. So how do I manage that? I manage my inbound on Teams fairly tightly. I let my teams know if I'm in a particularly busy period. I just sort of say, hey, look, you know, just I'm not going to necessarily get back to you straight away right now because I've got this thing on. And I'll always tell my teams what I'm working on. um, And I'll say, you know, like I'm out for the day or I'm out for whatever. And that helps manage my inbound. I will put on Do Not Disturb on Teams. And if I put Do Not Disturb on, my teams know not to contact me. And if it's really, really crucial, I turn off, I put the appear as though you're out of office, not out of office, like, you know, like the little grey cross of death, um, (laughs) appear as though you're not online so that I can still ping other people if I need to, but Mm. um, it prevents people from pinging into me. Mm. You have to set up a culture. 
Lucy, you're working with colleagues who are doing teaching and learning stuff. I would recommend that you start to talk about setting up a communications culture and start to set some expectations around when and how you will be able to be contacted. Mm. Because if you don't, it will suck your life away. It really will. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sucked then, my life away already. Yeah. My life is gone. Just into yeah. an email, email vortex of death, basically. <laughs> Although, but yeah, we've talked I, about we've, yeah. we've talked like at length about email before. But the the boss move with email is only check it twice a day. Yeah, but I that's I just no, I'm just too much of an anxious person to do that. But, oh, no, but no, I mean, no. I run I run a team of four teachers, right, including me. Yeah. So it's me and yeah. three others, and we run a very big like we. We do about 140 individual events or activities a year. So there's something on almost That's every day. It yeah. is a lot. And and so we're very active and all of ours are one-offs, so they're not like a, mm. a course, right? So mm. everyone's kind of, a lot of them are similar, but they're different and similar in the same way, if you know what I mean. And we used to just be ships in the night, completely organise our own shit, like put up our own um, sign-in forms and, and everything and, and just operate like separate small businesses. And I think a lot of academics do that. So hence email being the best way to contact them because they're on their own island doing their own thing. But we've got to the point now where we're running such a big coordinated program and there's a lot of data needs and a lot of other communication needs that we got an assistant who just does, you know, uh, bookings and all that kind of stuff for us. There's mm-hmm. so many people. I mean, we're talking several thousand plus people coming things with us and then having to be communicated with before and after. It's a lot. So we had to end up starting to communicate. We're still working our way through that two years later. Like we are still working out how to let go and not run our own little small practices. But the advantage of of it is starting to emerge now. Like the latest thing I've done is we do use a big Teams board and every single class is a card on the Teams to-do board. And we had to work out rules for how we were going to set these cards up so the information is in the same place every time. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, in the notes pane of the card is a template. And, huh, of course, I text expanded it up. I don't know what everyone else does, but mm-hmm. <laughs> the text expanded template and then mm-hmm. it goes in and it automatically inserts my bio and other things that the person putting the event up online will need to know. So it's got, you know, mm-hmm. what's the venue? Is there catering? It's like a whole series of checklists of questions. Um, mm-hmm. Where's the material? It, which web page is relates to it? Does a web page need updating? Like it's got it's got bigger and bigger over time, right? This <laughs> sort of checklist, but all the information is in the notes there. Um, any kind of materials are clipped to it, like a, a file or a you know like a worksheet. You could, if you were running a series of tutes, for instance, you could have a card for each week of the semester you could put the materials that people had to hand out attached to that card you could put the instructions or the learning planning in the notes of the card and the best thing about that is when you um when you attach someone else to the card so you say okay this i'm doing this lesson with kelly i attach kelly kelly can see the card kelly can alter the card but in the comments section which is under the notes section when you when you type a little thing in that, it appears and sits on the card, but it also sends her an email. So that gives her the flexibility to, if she wants to, manage her interaction with me via email or she can come into the board and do things directly on the card. But it means that I'm not flipping between email and the card. The card is the single source of truth. It has taken, Jason, two years to get to this point yeah. and we're still refining it. 
Uh, but we're, I think the point is to work together with your team, but I think you have to be firm in setting it up and saying, we're actually going to do things this way and yeah. have your business processes documented. Like the template's the same on everyone's card. The template, you know, we have agreed upon things that you will and won't put in the template, things that you will and you won't, like, and these have had to evolve over time. But once you've got that um, sort of system set up, it just reduces the amount of overall emails so much that it's worth the pain. But, yeah, good luck with that, Lucy. Like, it's it's a tough one. And I think we're all using tools that aren't necessarily purposefully designed to do what we need them to do. So you've got to be a bit creative about how you think your way around the corners of those problems, I think. But yeah. it's a bit like the problem with kids playing on the street. Like people say, oh, why do kids not play on the street anymore? Blah, blah, blah. Women have gone to work and, oh, it's the death of our societies and no one's washing the dishes and looking at the kids playing in the yard. And that is true, right? Kids mm-hmm. have a lot of less independent mobility. But the point is there's no other kids on the street. Yeah. So if you put your kid out on the street, they're out on their own. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that's why we always have play dates and all that culture is, has grown up yep. to replace it. But the point is that you, it's collective. If no one else is using teams and you're like in yep. there <laughs> solo away, you know, you're talking to yourself. So you've got to sort of give them ways in. I think that's like set up some rules and, you know, it's hard. Yeah. Well, last week we talked about, you know, teaching in lots of locations and, you know, having to deal with all of that sort of stuff. One of the mm. best things. I had to do, I managed to convince work to give me a work allowance for a second in command for a little while. I had oh, a semester, yeah. I had a semester where I had a, a person who I was yeah. like, you are my two IC, right? And I then, I had to actually explicitly write all the things down. Yeah. So right. I had to teach him how to do the things that, that I did. And it made a huge difference. Made a huge difference. So the ability to be able to write it down and say, this is how we're going to do it. It's going to be done like this. And, and like you can, if someone comes up with a better way of doing a thing, that's okay. Yeah, Adopt yeah. that new way, but be explicit about, okay, this is now, you know, version 1.2 is the version that we're working from. And we do it like this. We don't do it. Yeah. We don't do it and in fact, thing. some of the best you know? innovations in our system have come from someone going, I know you said do it X way, Inga, but how about we do it this way instead? And that eliminates a step or eliminates document. Mm. But it's getting people into the mind step of set of how do we do less always? Yep. What's the least we can do to keep this yep. organized? Because the amount of it's at least thirty percent of our time is just spent coordinating with each other. I know because I measure it right. Like yeah, that's it, right? <laughs> Thank you, timing. <laughs> Thank you, timing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We could say so much more about this, but um, uh, yeah. But if I was teaching a semester and I had tutors, I would be looking at the team's board to organise that for sure now and organise myself so that I wasn't looking around for different places and stuff that they're all, I would just walk in and go, okay, what's today? Gather up the materials, yep. head to the classroom, and that's it. It makes a to, huge you difference. To, you have to be super disciplined around that stuff, right? So you, I know working with others, other people... Yes, other people. Other people. (laughs) Other people sigh. Other people sigh. Um, (laughs) Other people have their preferred ways of working too. Where it can get tricky is where your boss or someone more senior than you has Mm -hmm. a system that you just don't jibe well with. Yeah, yep. Do you know what I mean? They, oh, I'm they sure have... I'm that way for some of my team. Like, oh my god, it's it's so painful, right? Because they they do it this way. I'm sure I'm the source of pain. They do it this way and you go like, oh, don't do it like that. And it's like, and then you have to, 
like you've got your own, which you've yeah. built over the years, and it yeah. like hums, and then you've got theirs, and yeah. there's got a whole different logic, and mm-hmm. they, sometimes they put stuff in, and sometimes they don't, or mm. they, you know, or they don't use it for three weeks, and so you think, oh god, thank god they've abandoned that, and then all of a sudden, like all these new things turn up on this thing that you've stopped checking because they're not using it. And, well, that's a different thing, though, isn't it? That's people setting up a system that's too, obviously, too wheel, unwieldy to maintain, and yeah, so they yeah. don't maintain it. Like, it's not a proper system if you, if it's, t- like, it's a proper system if it takes a lot of time. These are two separate things, right? It can take yep. a lot of time to maintain a system, but the bang for buck has to be there. And often yep. when people don't maintain it, it's because actually the bang for buck isn't there. They probably should investigate doing it another way, but yep. they kind of get stuck. Like yeah. I'm amazed how far how many people get kind of halfway to well organized and don't do the next. I don't. I can't figure out what it is that separates someone like yourself, Jason, and someone else that you would just go that next step and go, hang on, hang on. Like you just you you have particularly I know of all my the people I know have this ability to lift up to a sort of meta level of what's going on in a way that a lot of people don't, including me. I mean. I've learned just from watching you do that over the years and gone, there must be a better way to do this. <laughs> Jason would be disappointed in me right now. <laughs> and Luke does it as well. My husband's very good at that too, like seeing right through to the heart of what's really going wrong here. There's a kind of systems engineering yeah. way of looking at things that I don't have. It's not a natural talent of mine. Not like sleeping yeah. is for you. It's not natural. Yeah. And that's the yeah. other thing. None of this comes naturally to us no. listeners, by the way. You really do. I mean, that's not to just valorise hard work for the sake of it, but someone was complaining on threads the other day. They're like, oh, you know, I've just started my first academic job and there's so many little tasks that come out of the woodwork. Like I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah. <laughs> they like, we have to be really organised. I'm like, even being really organised doesn't do it a lot of the time. Yeah. Like it just merely sandbags against the tide, right? Like, yep. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like it's self, sometimes for me it was self-preservation. Yes, right. Me too. Like you had to be organised, mm. um, otherwise it just like it would all fall apart. Yeah, you just couldn't um, do the job. You couldn't do the can't job. Do it. No. You, know, uh, right. you want to read the next letter? Sure. Please. You just do good reads. <laughs> this one's from uh, Janet Davy. It's a belated and, letter. Yes, Janet. This one ended up. It was folded at the bottom of the mailbag. And um, my previous, like, sticking my fingers into the mailbag didn't quite grab this one out. And it's it's gold, this letter. Okay. So sorry for missing it, Janet, but it's it's great. Thanks for writing it. <laughs> Hi, Inga and Jason. In brackets, apologies I don't have Jason's email <laughs> and I'm not on social media, so I can't contact you. Um, but I trust this email will make its way to the right place. <laughs> mm, yes. It, it got to me, Janet. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> email Mule. Email Mule. Yeah. <laughs> Inga got it to me. <laughs> uh, uh, for listeners, if you want to contact me by my email, it's uh, inga.muburn at blah, blah, blah. I just wanted to say I've really been enjoying the recent episodes of On the Reg, loving your ongoing discussion about Chatty G in academic work, Mm. sharing your experiences, testing it out on different tasks and talking about what it means for rethinking the PhD, in particular university assessments, writing ownership and original work, and also admitting not really knowing how to feel about it yet. Yeah, we still don't know. Do we? I still don't know, and no. I, actu- I actually had a dream about 
Oh, this is so sad. <laughs> A- academic integrity and AI last night. Like I, I woke up this morning with thoughts about. Mm. Yeah, the brain was doing about, a lot of processing. Wasn't it, it was last night. Yeah, it was yeah. Like, oh my god! Right. Yeah. Um, listening to On the Reg has made me aware of so many great tips and tools to save time and mental energy, like Text Expander. Thank you for giving me more time to spend at the gym instead. Yes, Not Text that. Expander. Yes. Um, I wanted to share a few tools I've recently added into my workflow, although there's a 99% chance you're already aware of them or using them. Uh, the first one is Transnomino. So mm. www.transnomino, T-R-A-N-S-N for Nelly, O-M for Mary, mm. I-N for Nelly, O.com. Mm. This is the greatest tiny bit of free software for Mac I've ever seen. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a bloody big call. Um, (laughs) It renames your files in bulk, handles multiple steps, e.g. delete all characters before the first space, insert this text, append number date, and allows you to preview what the file names will look like before executing. Renaming several hundred downloaded academic Mm -hmm. papers in multiple folders (laughs) so every file followed the same naming convention became a 10-minute job. Oh, my God, yes. Right? (laughs) Right. Oh my god! Yeah. Okay, I'm I'm sold. That is the greatest <laughs> tiny bit of free software for the Mac. <laughs> and if you're wow. if you're still deep in the pain slash chaos triggered by following Para from Tiago Forte as I am, <laughs> yes. there's just piles of it I've just not bothered to sort. There's still, but that sounds like a really good tool for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah I've not come across that one before, but like, yeah. yes, mm. yeah. yes. Sign us um, up. The next one is Raycast. R-A-Y-C-A-S-T. Mm-hmm. Um, this Everything Everywhere launcher app replaces Spotlight and tons of other separate tools and functionalities on the Mac. Small things, but I love how quickly it allows me to work out time zone differences. Mm. Can I attend this particular conference or not? Like online, online conference, conference online. Yeah, yeah. Which is true. That is a tricky thing with online conferences, the timing. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And the floating note window to jot down tasks straight away. The best mm. feature is undoubtedly throwing confetti over the computer screen. I'm for <laughs> it. I'm for uh, it. Have you, no. have you got something like this? Hazel isn't like this, though, is it? Uh, no, I use Launch Bar is my spotlight replacement, but it doesn't. I, I don't. No confetti. No, no confetti. confetti. No confetti. I'm just trying to. F- oh. Because oh. I've, t- I've turned off Launch Bar, of course, because we're podcasting, so I've turned pretty much everything else off. Yeah. Um, and I was, just, I was just wondering whether or not I could do time zone conversions with Launch Bar. But, yeah, Spotlight's pretty good now. Right? I, like it does I've never mo- used it anything but things. Spotlight. Like I didn't even know you could, you know. I just, mm. I, it's one of the, the killer differences between a Mac and a PC, might I add, is Spotlight. Sorry, yeah. not sorry. Like... That's why I just can't cope when I get on a PC and I'm like, where's my spotlight at? Yeah. I so just, I'm going to check just, it out because, like, I love spotlight. So if it's an improvement, yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, I just don't do Mac. I just don't do non-Mac anymore. Like, I just refuse. Oh, like, I sometimes have to do presentation machines and stuff and, you know, <sighs> oof, oh, oof, yeah. Yeah. oof. Mm. You know, like, I, I, like you, I have always, when my institution has said to me, not Latrobe, by the way. They they were quite accommodating and, they, and gave me a Mac, which was wonderful. Yeah, but you're at an executive um, level now, darling. Executives get what they want. 
Well, no, no. I just said I had special software that I needed. Yeah, well, and that's true. Yeah, because you can't get OmniFocus anywhere else, right? So, yeah. Hmm. So, Hmm. so anyway, I used to I used to buy a Mac, and then I would walk around and I would plug it into the like I would just plug it into the lectern or whatever. It's like I just would refuse to use the university (laughs) systems, (laughs) and I'd use my own instead. It was just easier that way. It works most of the time. I do the same, but sometimes it's just, you know, if the Wi-Fi isn't working or something, like just Cancel like, the lecture. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> not doing this. <laughs> Sorry, folks. <laughs> Come back next week. The third one here. Back to Janet, yeah. Back to Janet is raindrop.io. Now, this is one that I've actually heard of um, mm. and I used – Years and years and years ago, but for some reason I stopped using it. I don't know why. Anyway, mm. Raindrop is a kind of bookmark manager capturing system. Mm. I spent a lot of time reading reviews from different platforms like Readwise before settling on Raindrop. What really appealed to me was having full text search functionality and offline save copies of all content with my highlights. Chinese web pages are notorious for suddenly disappearing. Yes, oh, indeed. Also, it allows you to import PDFs and get mm. full text search functionality of those. I uh, can see that will be a huge time saver later in my PhD. It also just integrates very seamlessly across different browsers, desktop and mobile versions of the app. Yeah, yeah I'm going to check that out. I mean, I've got Readwise and plugged into Obsidian. I'm pretty like I'm, lock, I'm vendor lock-in, which makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, you know, but once those highlights are in from Readwise into Obsidian, they're 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 taken offline and they're mine forever. So it's like yeah. for me, Readwise is much more of a, a kind of filtering kind of processing tool. Um, so yeah. I'm not relying on it, and I would never again after Evernote debacle rely on on a pay for service to access my notes. It's just silly. Yeah. I just don't think yeah. anyone should do that. But anyway, yeah. Um, no. So that sounds good. Thank you, Janet, for sending all those. Sorry that that ended up at the bottom of the mailbag. But the good thing about that was being the last letter, it's the most memorable. People, people will, <laughs> I, I mean, we have had a few things come in this week. So the next episode there will be, I think, a little bit of mailbag action and there's one more speak pipe. In fact, there's two because our friend Alison Hardy, so Alison Hardy, mother of Kip, our canine mascot, um, yes. who I caught up with when we were in the UK and we had a lovely um, we sat and we ate out in the garden and we talked and I got to meet Kip and everything. I think I got excited about that a couple of episodes ago. Um, and during that conversation, I said, oh, Evernote, no, 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 Alison, you must stop. Mm. Yes. So this is her answer. It's over two speak pipes. Hi, Andrew and Jason. It's Dr. Alison Hardy here. Um, mother of Kip, that's obviously the most significant thing about my life talking to you two. Um, slightly... Uh, Dodging mother of Kip at the moment, he still has a bit of a back leg, bad oh. back leg, and yeah, he was limping back to the vets next week. Um, mm. So I will report back on that. Mm. He has been kind of okay. Um, he's been on some new medication. He's taking cod liver oil tablets, but that doesn't seem to be having an effect. But it's also mm. not stopping him running around the garden and barking at the birds and the planes as they fly over. <laughs> but I digress. So the next thing is confession time. I have not listened to your podcast. In quite a few months, um, as you know, Inga, from when you when we worked in the summer in Cambridge, I've had a lot on personally and professionally, and my brain just could not take any more new information from you two about how to be more productive, how to organise myself, how to think differently about my academic life. I, I couldn't kind of stop there because I'm about to run out of time, and I'm going to record another 
part two of Speakpipe. <laughs> <laughs> but we got an important Okay, so it's Sunday. Update. It's the hottest Sunday we've had in the September for I don't know how long, which is really rather frightening. So obviously yeah. I decide I'm going to stay at home um, in my new way of life and, and new being. I thought I'm going to have a day at home. I'm going to listen to some podcasts and I'm going to do some jobs that I've been putting off, like the ironing basket, repairing clothes, and I'm currently making plum jam. Um, <laughs> but so I started to listen to your podcast, The Catch Up After Cambridge. So first of all, I just found it hilarious that all these other academics got a mention about intellectual conversation being really great to be around and learning new things about Cambridge. And I just thought that I am such fun. Anyway, I, I'm quite happy with that. As a, as I'll put that on my CV. But then I've just been listening uh, further on and I've just got the bit about obsidian and I start to think, oh, I better take notes. I better be listening to this. And then you give me a name check and tell me I have to go and do this. So at some point this week, I'm going to have to, I have paid my yearly subscription for Evernote because I just couldn't cope with changing obsidian. When you said you've been doing it in front of the computer, in front of the TV, I thought, I can't, can't do this. But now you've given me a heads up. I'm going to sort myself out, obviously get things back on track, start listening to you two. There you go. Uh. <laughs> Thanks, Elsa. I'll have to check in. I'm going back to the UK. I'll be there on the 2nd of December and I'm flying yep. back on Christmas Eve. I get on the plane on Christmas Eve in England and I mm. get off the plane on in Boxing Day in Australia. So I I just like Christmas just disappears somewhere Perfect. in there. Um, so I don't mind because I had a very big Christmas last year. I cooked for like 16 people or something. So I'm happy to uh, have a, a nothing Christmas this year. But maybe I'll be able to catch up with Alison. I don't know. England's kind of hard to get around. But yeah. um, big shout out, Alison. She is indeed such fun but also very smart and very interesting. Yes. 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 I wonder whether or not you'll get a, like a Christmas pudding for on the well, flight plums. back. Oh, oh, on the flight back. I hear they go they go all out on Christmas Day. I'm told it's quite fun. So. Oh. You know, right. I'll report back. All I'll the report best. back. Yeah, so those, so Alison has experienced my kindly bullying side of my nature. <laughs> and you experienced that as well this week, didn't you, Jason? Yes. Fine. Whatever. You can relate to you can relate to Alison, right? <laughs> Like you just get worn down, Alison. Like you, she just wears you down, right? It's just like eventually it's just easier just to go, okay, fine, Inga, whatever. I'll just do what you tell me. And like, will you Your stop it? Your life is now? better. Your life is better. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jason, I finally, I finally convinced you to join Blue Sky. I'm like, yes. <laughs> the academics are there now. Look, I must say, Threads is my favorite non-Twitter Twitter, but. Yeah. The academics have gone to blue sky, and like I'm where I'm where my people are. So, you Actually, know, I, to be honest, I, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, Were you? It, it, yeah, it was. It felt smart. So I kind of jumped onto blue sky and had a bit of a noodle around. And um, it's not Twitter, like, but it's like the people that were there are all pretty smart, right? So I I concur that it's a good substitute for academic Twitter. Yes. Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it was like, it was fun. Well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Social media, right? Like, it's such a poisonous cesspit, a cesspit that I'm very, very careful about dipping my toes back into all of that stuff again. Um, yes. Yes. I think we're all a bit like that. We're all like, it's our second love, really, you know? Yeah. So we're, I think a lot of people are, 
quite eyes wide open about what does this mean for my time, my my yeah. mental health, so on and so forth. So I, I think, and also I've noticed people acting very differently towards trolls. There is just zero tolerance that for trolls now. I just see people uh, yeah. just ban hammering them, don't get into a conversation with them, deny them yeah. oxygen, deny them attention, and it works. Yeah, actually. Because all they want is attention. They want to steal yeah. your time and your eyeballs. So so there's that. So I think we're a bit wiser with how we use it, it seems to me. But definitely academics are there. So it's highly likely if you're not got access to an invite that a friend of yours has one, trust me. There's like a lot. It's <laughs> yeah. almost like I was there for, I was there, I've been there for months, but there was no one there. So I kind of drifted over to threads and then, you know, and then all of a sudden it just mushroomed. And that's because people are sending invite codes it's an invite only platform at the moment and so once it got into the networks it's really spread through the networks and there are several spreadsheets full of invite codes that people have donated um in order to oh, get okay. academics in there so yeah. you know which you can only see if you're on blue sky but i believe yeah. that some people have been on twitter publicizing those codes on twitter to get people over and look let's face it twitter's as predicted on this podcast a nazi infested mm. Mm-hmm. wasteland with tumble mm-hmm. digital tumbleweeds i'm like sorry to be right you know yeah but so, yeah. i listened Terrible. to smart people about that and decided that they were smarter than me about these things and i should probably believe them and they were right yeah. i won't say that i'm the person who predicted all that but you know look look at what happens anyway yeah, that's yeah. the mailbag temporarily right. empty yeah. Um, but not really. I think I've got a few that I've just sort of stuffed away that I got in the last week or so. So I'll make another one. Oh, excellent. Keep down, writing to down, us. Down the back of the couch. Mm, yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm driving the bus. Uh, work problems. <laughs> yes. In this part of the, the show, point, the, of the, the point of the show. So <laughs> <laughs> we started the show for. But anyway, mm. um, in this part of the show, we focus on one aspect of work and we just nerd out about it. Sometimes we tackle problems we've had at work. Sometimes we discuss a theme. We always try to be practical, sharing our tips, hacks, and feel opinions. And this mm-hmm. week, our topic is picking up a blog post I wrote recently on academic gossip. And I wrote this post last month, and I just thought it might be fun to talk about it because I knew yeah. you have views. So you, you, yes. you've titled this Hot Gossip. Hot just- Gossip. Not just normal gossip. Yeah, because gossip. it was it was coming in hot and the uh, time I wrote it. I started with a line that I'm I stole from Jane Austen, of course. It's a truth almost never acknowledged that the mm-hmm. university communities are absolutely totally tragically addicted to gossip. And I stand by mm-hmm. that. It, mm-hmm. It's the most gossipy workplace you will ever encounter. And I, I wrote this post because there was so much gossip flying around about the new VC. And, and it made me also think about the stereotypes of the academic and literature is often stereotyped as a, as a harmless old gossip. And if you've read any <laughs> books by David Lodge, particularly Small World, he features, he, he does a good spin on these types of people. And I, I fear sometimes I am one of those people. I mean, I love, I love to hear gossip. I'm not going to lie. And I don't, I will never on my, to my grave, I'll never admit to gossiping. But, you know, of course mm-hmm. I fucking do. Everyone does it. And, um, of course, when men do it, it's called debriefing or catching up or information sharing. And I think part of part of calling it gossip is it's thrillingly deviant. It's, um, again, one of those sort of legitimate academic deviants in that you think you're deviant for doing it, but everyone does it. So is it really deviance anymore? Is it just how we are? Your initial mm. thoughts on gossip, Jason. Are academics addicted to it? You know, what, what's, yeah, your, I, I, what's your initial take? 
I uh, see. I'm I'm anti gossip. Yes, like that's my just my default position is that I just don't engage in gossip. So yeah. this is this is actually a little bit challenging for me. This particular topic <laughs> because I immediate and I don't know where I've got this from, but probably my mother. Um, <laughs> but I immediately think of people who engage in gossip as not being trustworthy. Mm. Yeah, so just like flat out, right? People are remarkably indiscreet sometimes, and I'm shocked. And I always mouth goes closed, and I just, <laughs> and I just like nod. And, mm, that's interesting. I'm a receiver of gossip. Yeah, not very a powerful purveyor. position in a network. It's very powerful to be a receiver of gossip. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, not, I'm not a I'm not a purveyor of gossip, and I find it really uncomfortable when you get into those kind of social exchanges where someone gives you a little bit of gossip, and then you know there's that unstated kind of okay, where's our reciprocal? Yeah, gossip where's your gossip? From? What are you handing yeah, over? Yeah, what are you doing? And then I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And <laughs> depending on where you are in an organisation, you um, can sometimes be privy to a lot of this sort of stuff, right? And Mm -hmm. if you circulate at a particular stratosphere, Mm. you can – there's a lot going on and people – Well, you can get sacked in our jobs. I could get sacked. Oh, yeah. And so I've I've had to really learn to just not say half, three-quarters of what I know. Be very, very – I've had to, in the last 10 years particularly, become this very discreet person that I am not by nature. Yeah. Okay. Like by nature, I am, and my mother was, and my grandmother were both relentless gossips. Like, and I yeah. really learned gossip at my parents' knee. Like, my father uh, wasn't, and my mother was. And women's gossip networks are, are critically important for maintaining relationships. They yeah. really are. And yeah. you, and you get read into it very young. And you, you, and I'll talk about power and gossip and, um, being marginalized and gossip as a means to power a little bit. But definitely I've had to learn not to. And yeah. I've had to learn to become the receiver of the gossip and be yeah. very, 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 very careful about what I say to anyone about anything else. And yeah. so I think I've become this trusted person now. But <laughs> it's not like it's an effort. It's not it's, it's not natural for me. No. Oh. No. See, I go I go, oh, that's in the vault. Done. Locked. Oh yeah, I have the vault. But it's like, oh shit. It. Okay, it has to go in the vault. Shit. Okay. <laughs> oh no, no. I'm like, yep, shot done. Never to be spoken of again. Ever. See, the good like, thing about being a twin, okay, if I could just offer this, is that mm. we share vaults. I will tell her everything. Uh, she will tell me everything. But we both know that the vault is shared. Okay. Yep. Like, and so we, like, I do have one person at least I can tell it. And I must admit, I do tell my husband everything because he's just sort of like, he gets treated like a twin because that's how I relate to people. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Anitra and Luke would know pretty much everything I know. Like, unless it's right. boring and it wouldn't interest them, then, then yeah. I wouldn't say anything. But definitely anything hot, like anything that's just <laughs> like, like anything is so hot that it's burning me and I just want to, I have to tell someone, at least I know I can tell those two and I completely trust them. But mm. that's the thing about gossip and trust. Like if you're going to, if you're going to gossip with anyone, you really have to trust them a lot. Yeah. And um, that's the tricky bit, right? Like how do you enter into a gossip network? Mm-hmm. Like if it's such a trust-based exercise, mm-hmm. like do you get inducted? 
Like, or do you have to like do you grow them organically? Like, how does it work? I don't know. I don't know. Tell me, Inga. How does it? <laughs> tell me about this. Well, I mean, thing. you know, and you've, if you put a note here that you've you've been burned by believing in gossip, but only later to find out it's wrong, and you know that's part yeah, yeah. of the the trick of the gossip network is who's the trusted sources within that network and who isn't. So let me let me educate you a little. Okay. I have a, a side slightly sick fascination with gossip just because I'm recognizing it in myself and having to control the urge has really uh-huh. um, sharpened my interest in it. So, um, I. Catherine Waddington has an interesting and I think entertaining scholarly book called Gossip and Organisations, which I used to sort of underpin my blog post. And this is her definition. Gossip is a form of social network building whose purpose is to entertain, supply social information and establish, change or maintain group membership, group power structures or group norms. Mm. Um, mm. And we'll dig into that a little bit in the in the. Um, what's coming. So, I mean, mm. the idea that gossip is bad is not, I think, an accident. I think it does actually come from the way that women and gossip are indelibly linked in Western culture, at least, and many other cultures as well. So actually the word comes from the person who would assist the midwife. So they weren't the midwife, they were the midwife's assistant. Oh, yeah. And the yep. job of the gossip was to tell the village that a new child has been born, right? So they'd go <laughs> around knocking on doors and say, oh, we've got a new a new kid. There was no social media. There was no yeah, gender reveal parties, as horrible as they are. And um, and I guess they just talked about how the birth happened as well. You know, oh. they were like, oh, yeah, she, you know, she yeah. did it real quick or oh, there was lots of blood or something. I don't know. And I think the name then stuck to anyone, particularly a woman who talks about other people's business. So, yeah. yeah so I, I, had no, I had no idea that that was a thing. Right. Yeah. Like, until I, yeah. Until I read your blog post. Right? I was like, oh, there you go. It's an actual, like, that's where that comes from. Yeah. It's, it's no actually, idea. It's actually kind of great that it comes from there as well because it just speaks to so much of um, yeah. our cultural distrust and denigration of gossip. And that's, there's a cultural distrust of women in Western culture. Like there just is. It's very deep. You go back to Adam and Eve. Eve was the untrustworthy one. She ate the apple, you know. Um, and <laughs> then, of course, witches and gossip and women mm. are sort of like not to be trusted. They like their emotions rule their world. You know, like there's in our culture, this is a story that's told about women over and over again that you just, you know, they're just a little bit, you know, untrustworthy. And there's a really great book that I enjoyed for a discussion of that um, called Witches, What Women Do Together by Sam George Allen. And I'm just going to read you a bit from the introduction, okay, because I think it's quite mm. instructive as to why gossip is and women's talk to each other generally, which often includes gossip, um, Mm -hmm. is so distrusted. So um, Sam writes, in the first episode of the second season of the excellent Netflix series Glow, a show in which in many ways is about things that women do together and also about a bunch of female amateur wrestlers making a low-budget TV show called The Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. I've never watched it. I should watch it. Um, There's a moment that made me reach for my pen. The women had just returned from filming a title sequence at the mall where they'd handed up in character, Welfare Queen and Liberty Bell taking swipes at each other with bunches of shopping bags, Britannica and Beirut chasing each other around the stands of sunglasses. They were standing in a group, laughing with one another, relaxed and excited about what they'd just made. The director, Sam, played by Matt Marin at his neurotic, curmudgeonly best approaches. Hey, he says, I don't like it when you're in a clump, whispering. He gestures dismissively, spread out so I can see you. I wrote it down, spread out so I can see you. It's almost a joke, but not quite. Marin's character doesn't like it when women are doing stuff he doesn't know about. He finds it unnerving. A lot of people do. Mm. 
there, for those invested in maintaining the status quo, there's a lot to be gained from preventing women from getting together. As Naomi Wolf observed in The Beauty Myth, which remains as relevant now as it was when it was published 30 years ago, a population divided, distracted and economically depressed is unable to demand to be released from oppression. Isolated women are easier to sell things to, easier to control, more easily compressed into the very few ways acceptable to be a woman. She goes on in this Mm. initial chapter to talk about her own youth and how she used to hang out with the boys and Mm -hmm. she used to take pleasure in being the only girl that the boys would let watch video games, but she could only watch, you know, but she Mm. was included and you're not like other girls. And I've had lots of these kind of friendships with men over my life and I I Mm -hmm. sort of... I know the appeal of that to sort of think, oh, I'm special singled out girl. I'm not in the pack of girls, but I've learned over my life to really value my female friendships. I mean, I always had strong ones, but yeah. um, but there is something sort of deeply patriarchal in that. You know, women away from the gaze of other, we, we could be up to no good, Jason. We could be, <laughs> you know, plotting to um, do all sorts of things. And so my feminist Take thing the is, world. is therefore that <laughs> people who deplore gloss, gossip and claim our world would be better off it would, without it would be wrong. And it doesn't mean that it's not bad at times. So it doesn't mean it doesn't have a dark side. Mm. How do you react as a man to all of that steaming feminist incoming uh, missile? <laughs> So I, I'm just like I'm going to neatly sidestep the whole thing <laughs> because that's because I'm fairly certain that it doesn't matter what I say now I'm going to get into a whole bunch of trouble about it. <laughs> and so it's probably a bit easier for me to say, mm-hmm, yeah mm, receive all of that and just nod and just go like yeah. Um, uh, the okay, well, how do I think about all of this? Um, Groups and cliques are important, right? Mm. And it doesn't matter what you form them around, they do create a social and powerful and mm. power structure mm. that you need to um, navigate if you're going to participate. Mm. And uh, wh- it seems to me from the outside looking in, because I've already declared myself as a non-gossiper, <laughs> yes. um, from the outside looking in that... Um, that it, it is a powerful way to be able to share information and to be able to make your place in the world, right? Mm, mm. And people will have to let you into those kinds of structures. Mm. So it wouldn't be easy for me. Wouldn't be easy for me to insert myself into your gossip network um, without an explicit invitation. But Does you are in my gossip network, though. Like, so you yeah, see. But- but I often share things with you that I would, yeah, but I, I would call gossip. Maybe we just call it something different, and I think this is really important, like that, that when we call it information sharing, it takes away that kind of that sort of flavour of suspicion, denigration, contempt. When you say, okay, it's important for me to know who might be leaving the organisation or who's arriving, what are they like? Um, mm. that, you know, who, uh, like if, if you get a person hired into um, the executive, uh, the first thing you do, first thing everyone does is reaches out and goes, who knows this person potentially and says, mm. oh, what are they like? Like yeah. that's technically gossip. Yeah. Right? And but you seeking it with an open heart going, I just want to know about this person because they're going to be in my world and affect my work and affect my life. So, that's sort of what we call information sharing. Like it's a blurry line. I think like 
the word gossip itself is so loaded. I, th- I think I think about this differently. So mm. this is this is where I think I, I really struggled with with the idea and with your particular post around mm. gossip is that you and I share share stuff because it's fifteen years of friendship. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. It's like, and like and over that fifteen years, I've come to learn that I can share stuff with you that I probably I've, I've got a very very small group of friends that I can share stuff with like this mm-hmm. like tiny yeah and you know and I won't tell of, your shit to people yeah, like it's in the bowl yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah. but that's that's where it's at with me that like it's either vault level friendship yeah, right. and I'll share information with you or yeah. just shut up and just not say anything <laughs> I think that's a fine way to go about organising your gossip life. Like, yeah, yeah, I think it is. Like, I think most people probably are like that. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I um, the downside, of course, of that exercise is that not is that people don't freely share information with me, and there are consequences for that. So, yeah. as you as you say, um, having the inside skinny on what someone's like or is. Crucially important for you to be able to navigate your way around a university. Yeah, right? yeah, because there's a lot this of particular per- people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This particular person likes it, so I can I can think about a time where it was was critically important to be able to share something about someone else, mm. so that a colleague didn't inadvertently get themselves into trouble. Yes, so, <clears throat> yes, right. Yeah, a particular a particular person. <laughs> Here I am gossiping. <laughs> Embrace it. Oh, dang. A particular person liked to work in a particular way, right? And yeah. this this colleague of mine was about to start to interact with that person in a much more serious way. Yeah. And so, yeah, I had to share. It's like, do this, don't do that, do this other thing, don't yeah. do it like that. Don't. Yeah. Your, your natural instinct will be to do this, don't do that. Because that yeah. will get you into trouble if you do that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, that's being a good friend and that's the good side of gossip, right? Yeah, yeah. I would still call that gossip. Anyway, I spent two weeks reading books about gossip during my PhD. So it's like one of those rabbit holes. Of course holes, you did. You know, because I was trying to – I did my PhD about hand gestures, right? And when – and you, like the naturally it starts to occur to you, like where did hand gestures come from? Did they precede language? Did they develop alongside language? No one really knows, okay? Like gesture seems to operate on a slightly different brain track to speech, but they're definitely linked. Like we'll often gesture in time mm. with our speech. Like the, the connections between them are very subtle and they're – they're sort of parallel but also interlinked. Anyway, I could nerd for Australia on it. Um, <laughs> so I, I initially, um, just a, you know, Google search led me to Robin Dunbar's book, Grooming Gossip and the Evolution of Language, which I subsequently used to chase down all the papers that he referenced. And so mm-hmm. anyway, but his book is very interesting and it's it, basically his argument is that monkey grooming, like monkeys mm. live in packs, right, and a lot of what they do is like sit around and pick at each, pick all the fleas out of each other's fur, right? Mm-hmm. They spend a lot of time doing this. like, And researchers are suddenly like, huh, that seems like an inefficient use of monkey time. Mm-hmm. The amount of time they spend doing it. It's like sitting. Yep. You'll see pictures of monkeys quite often. They sit behind each other and they're one of them sort of like picking at the other one and so on. And then they started to study which monkeys groomed which other monkeys, who was groomed, who was the groomee, 
and uh-huh. what then, what other things they do. So they quickly worked out that, you know, particularly female monkeys had these very particular grooming and with the people that groomed more would help each other more. Like grooming yeah. was like this visible sign of the trust that the females, and they didn't trust everyone, so they'd yeah. only trust some other females. And they worked out that there was this, like it was literally you scratch my back, I'll scratch mine, like literally. Yeah. Right? And so Dunbar then thinks that gossip is our human equivalent of picking fleas out of each other's coats, okay? It's <laughs> okay. pleasurable talk for its own sake. Yeah. Like, and you'll notice this, if you sit down and you start talking about VCs or something, for instance, you know, the characters of different VCs and what everyone knows about it and who does what, where, or, you know, you start to talk about in your friendship group, someone's marriage, for instance, you know, you know, and, and it sort of feels a bit deviant to be talking about other people like that but we all like we will definitely all get together and comment on someone else's marriage and the state of what's going on or whatever especially if there's some sort of apparent crisis that it starts to get talked about and that the talk in itself is pleasurable like people will do it a lot longer than they probably need to it's it's not sort of useful talk necessarily and you know if you really get stuck in especially if someone's really got a problem (laughs) you know what you know what i'm talking about and like there's a lot of heartening and there's a lot of like moralizing and then there's a lot of defending of the people and then it can go for hours right and so this is the sort of talk he's talking about this is grooming talk and he says that it builds trust because you're sharing secrets and so part of the reason you and I are such good friends is 15 years partly of sharing each other's secrets, right? Yeah. And that's a kind of um, – and so then, of course, I went on to read whole books, other books, <laughs> and because I didn't go on to cite them in my dissertation because it was not a dissertation about gossip. It was a, a pleasant diversion for two weeks and then I was like, I've yeah. got to stop doing this because, I, I, you know, you get to that point where you're like, I should have written my PhD about gossip, damn it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I didn't have obsidian back then, so those references yeah. lost time. And when I went back to look for them, I, I couldn't find them. I read this great one on medieval gossip and gossip in, in records in medieval. Anyway, so there's the sort of thing you can do during your PhD. I sometimes use it. And I think even though we feel this sort of measure of shame and discomfort, we we do do it compulsively, I think, to manage relationships in a complex social world like monkeys do. And we don't even have the trees to organise ourselves. Like a monkey pack sits in a bunch mm. of trees and that kind of organises the social world to some extent. And a lot of it now is digital and you see it in Facebooks and DMs and, like, there'll be a main conversation and then a mm. conversation. Like, we do it all. And a lot of Catherine Waddington's book that I referred to earlier was talking about how gossip has sort of gone into these digital places. And, of course, as I've always said to people, like, email is the least private form of communication you can do. Mm. And, of course, anything can be screenshotted. And we only have to look around the world for the last 10 years to see how this has come, you know, hot gossip has become public because digital mm. traces have been left. So thoughts on that, Jason? I don't know. I bloody, I, I just don't do it. Like, I just <laughs> I just don't do it. So I was thinking so about, when it you know, starts what? up around you, it must start up around you, no? Or do yeah, people just no. not know you're not going to do it so they don't do it in front of you? No, no, no. So uh, what I was saying before, like I've got a very, very small group of friends mm. that I could engage in gossip with um, and sometimes do, but for everybody else, like I'm workshopping a problem. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I'm talking about the personal stuff. Like I, I will... 
I, as I actually said to a friend of mine the other day, I just don't want to comment on that because everyone else's relationship is another country. And if you start yeah. commenting on it, you're just like going to find yourself two weeks into the desert with a broken axle on your, uh, you know, on your yeah. range drive. Like you just don't do it. Like you don't know the history. You don't know the culture there. Yeah, it yeah. might look weird from the outside, but you're not like who are you to say? I'm sure my marriage looks weird to other people too. So like I'm, yeah. not, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to start defending or blaming anyone in this situation. I just think the situation looks sad. I, but I'm like, anyway, I do what really have I got, draw the line. What have I got to add stuff. here? Yeah, exactly. What like, good would it meet, need, need to talk about? Because within families, of course, it's kind of different. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's got an opinion about everyone else, yeah, right? Uh, you know? And everyone's yeah. going to tell you their opinion about everyone else. And I, marrying into my husband's family is a bit of a shock because it's just me and my sister and my and, not, and I'm just one cousin, but he's he's one of four, and it's a very complex social world inside the Mewburn family. <laughs> <laughs> Try to stay out of it. <laughs> I think that's a good. I think that's a good thing. Um, yeah. Oh man. I yeah. I'm I'm slow. I'm slow to the gossip. Like I I really am. I'm very very careful about it. Um, yeah. And uh, and I I will self check um, mm. on the way through. Like mm. I'm you know if I'm starting to engage in this and I, I'm like I've been trying over the last little bit over the last half an hour or so, I've been trying to think where this has come from, but I'm very, very reluctant, very, very slow to cost. Well, it's obviously sort of served stuff. you well. I mean, you haven't, you know, you've got friends well, and you've the, got relationships. Yes. You're fine. You're, the, you're, you're coping. But but the the other side of it is because I don't engage in it, mm. I'm also probably naively unaware of it when it's directed towards me. Right? Yes. Like yes. that. Like you just because I'm not I'm not thinking about it I'm not thinking about that you know because it's really a blind spot for you almost it's like, a blind spot yeah so you yeah, don't realize yeah. how it could be being mobilized in your favor and against uh, you potentially correct yeah yeah, yeah. correct and this um, is where I get really super interested in gossip because it's this intersection between gossip and power I think that really floats my boat so I mean we all rely on that social information containing gossip even if you're not directly receiving it it will be affecting how your world works and. We use it to navigate, particularly to navigate hierarchy, as you said just before. Yeah. You know, giving your giving your workmate a tip off. Please don't do it that way. Um, yeah. Gossip about powerful people helps less powerful people to anticipate problems and take preventative measures. So, I'm not going to get on his bad side. You know, yeah, yeah. that's an outcome of gossip because how would you know that he had a bad side? Or it helps yeah. you know, know who's likely to be helpful and who isn't and under what circumstances. Like he pretty much gives everyone an extension on their assignment so long as you show that you've been turning up to class. You know, it will be, mm. you know, we would have talked about our lecturers a lot like that back in the day about, you know, yeah. how to how to how they might react to things or or take a request. And, um, and I think really crucially it, tells you something about that person's emotional affect that's affect with mm. an a so that's mm. the moods they're capable of and what they'll do when they're in a mood and who's likely to feel effect and you know he seems nice but he's got a temper with incompetence this one time i saw him chew out the associate dean it was kind of fun to watch is almost word for word <laughs> um what someone said to me about a colleague once and that that, that yeah. kind of information is actually really useful because you may only get one side or one public face of a person and you might never know the full range of emotional effect that they're capable yeah. of. And you might 
step on landmines potentially. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. academia is gossipy in part because it's such a social profession. Like we need these webs. Of, we have these webs of colleagues all over the world and knowing who are the good ones or the mm-hmm. circle of niceness, as my mm-hmm. friend Rachel called, one of my most popular blog posts ever is the circle of niceness. And um, and it's knowing who's the good colleagues and who are the blood-sucking parasites who steal ideas Mm-hmm. is vitally important and gossip is the only way you will find that out um, about yeah. who's trustworthy and and it also speaks to you've only got one reputation to lose. Like if you start to behave yeah. that way in a gossipy sort of um, world like academia, you will quickly find that people don't cooperate with you in the way that you expect and yep. I've, I've experienced this firsthand how gossip about me has poisoned relationships with people or groups. I mean, I have a bit of a reputation apparently. I don't recognise myself mm. in that bit of a reputation, but yeah. I'm, I've am got a bit of a reputation for not suffering fools. <laughs> <laughs> apparently. Well, you know. For being quite yeah. blunt and forthright in the way and just speaking truth, like I won't hold back if I've got yeah. something, you know, like I guess some people might be afraid of that. I'll usually... I, I'm always commenting on the work, not on the person or the, the situation. Yeah. And and I, I see it as my job to tell the truth the, the way I see it, as long as I can back up what I've got to say. But I don't, I've not, sometimes just not recognised myself in the gossip I've heard about myself because people will repeat mm. gossip about me back to me, which I take, oh, wow. I take as, as a good thing because it's mm. when people don't repeat, repeat the gossip to you, you can't, you don't know what your reputation is, you can't have any way of controlling it. Uh, but also sometimes the people who are doing the gossiping, you know, they say something like, um, what is it, You may you be judged by the quality of your enemies? Yeah. <laughs> so yep. sometimes, you know, sometimes it does you, even though the gossip might be malicious about you, the person who's doing the gossip isn't well regarded or well trusted and so you don't. It doesn't really do you much damage, like yeah. so. It's kind of complicated. But if you get into any position of power, even a minute power like I have, I've got more kind of charismatic, soft appearance of power than actual power. I can't do very mm-hmm. much at all. Um, but I still have found that you know, for the first time in my professional life, I have been like quite often the target of gossip, and mm. having it repeated to myself has been really confronting and. And I've experienced then how people use gossip to le- leverage power against people when they feel less powerful to manage up and down and sideways and so on. Mm-hmm. And so I think, like, I when I say I love gossip, I love it as a I don't it, it, I don't want that to be misconstrued that sometimes I just want to spend my whole time doing it. I just love mm-hmm. that it exists, and I find mm-hmm. it endlessly fascinating. And um, and kind of having this view on it rather than sort of just see it as something that happens and something that's uncomfortable. To, I suppose my defence mechanism is always to intellectualise something. When I'm yeah. when it concerns me or upsets me, I study it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I find this really helps. Like when I see it happening, I'm like, oh, that's a, you know, and I kind of categorise it a bit. I yeah. don't know. Anyway, yeah. have, you ever, have you ever sort of been the target of it? What do you think? Or no one's Probably. ever told you the gossip about yourself because you, you don't well, share? <laughs> Well, that that was when you were talking about you've been um, how you've been char- characterised by the gossip when mm. someone's repeated their gossip about you back to you. Mm. The the first thing that went through my mind was, oh man, 
I, like, I just can't be bothered with the double, triple suckback <laughs> manoeuvre that is going on there. And right? yet like, you'll do it in BJJ. <laughs> <laughs> like, so it's how kind do of you like go? BJJ in a way. Like you've described it to me. You know, you've got like these <laughs> yes. holds on people and, you know, you've got to leverage Rips. the, yeah, it's kind of like that. <laughs> how do you know that the, the what they're telling you about you is true? Like how do you know that it's not? misinformation, like being told back to you, oh, you know, blah, 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 said this about you. Well, you don't. How That's do you... the thing. Like sometimes. See, I... and I just can't. I, like, I, heard, I, like, I have I would... had it said back to me like that to hurt me, yeah. I would like, yeah. I would I would spend so much of my own mental energy trying to figure out whether or not that's the truth or not and then whether or not and what that means for me as a person and blah, 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 blah. Like I just can't. I just like, oh, yeah, whatever. Piss off. <laughs> I just and so I think people don't do that. Like people don't. I just I don't know. I just you're also a man I, though. Yeah, and I don't know whether or not that's got. I don't know. I like, mean, men, the men are gossiped about. Like not to not to like, <laughs> say that they aren't. Of course, <laughs> yeah. of course, they're gossiped about, and they're gossiped about by women obsessively. Sometimes, you know. Yeah. Um, but maybe men don't get told the gossip or don't like. I don't know. Well, I don't, I'm acutely aware of the fact that I'm in a largely gossip-free zone of my own making <laughs> because, like, when I do, you know, become adjacent to the gossip and I hear something, yeah, I'm like, holy cow, there's, like, there's been this whole big conversation about this thing, like, and it's consumed people's time, effort and energy for, <laughs> like, hours of stuff. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, I had no idea. Right? I'm just like, holy shit. <laughs> What's going on over there? It's a, like, almost, have, have it's almost like, a form of like privilege. things to do. <laughs> I know, but it's almost like also a form of privilege to not have to listen or engage in it. Like, you know, like I'm not saying it's like a form of it. I mean, it's a good privilege to have. Clearly it hasn't affected your career. Maybe it wouldn't affect mine either. Maybe I don't have to get involved or worry about it or I, I can't work that out, but definitely my experience has been the opposite to that. And I don't think it's just because, and because I think I'm a very, very careful information sharer, if we're going to call that oh, instead yeah. of gossip. It's not like I go around trashing people's reputation for fun. I absolutely don't do that. But there are certainly people who do. I just, I think, you know? I think what I'm, I think where I'm coming down on this is the, uh, I'm, I think I'm getting hung up on the idea that gossip is, indiscreet yeah when i and uh, do you know what i mean like yeah i i don't i think that's what i'm coming down with here i have this mental filter that that i apply pretty much all the time and it's it's situational in that it's work based i Hmm. really work very very i work very very hard to keep my private life and my work life as Hmm. two separate and distinct things Hmm. and so work jason has this mental filter that says before you open your mouth jason are you sure about what it is that you're about to say well i think that's sensible do you want repeated yeah absolutely when would it be repeated who's going to hear that Absolutely, yep. I'm exactly the same all the time at work and and in my private life actually with my friends and stuff. Like I'm yeah. always always thinking, what is the potential effect of this? Would it hurt someone? You know, yep. would someone get the wrong idea if this was partially repeated? Like, 
I, I spend a lot, a lot of mental energy in managing that because I also get told a lot of things. That's the nature yep. of, I suppose, the nature of my job and the nature of, you know, my personality and so on. I just, I do get a lot of people share a lot of things with me. You yep. know, hopefully they won't stop sharing just because they've listened to this part. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to skip over stuff because we could just like clearly go on for hours and I'm driving the bus. But I just at least well, to say that, you know, gossip and storytelling are connected. And I just want to make a call back to our previous episode um, about bullshit and about artisanal bullshit and about gossip about yourself. So telling stories about yourself to other people is a form of gossip and it's a form of reputational management right so uh, the artisanal yeah. bullshit that we that was so amusing in that paper where you sort of tell a slightly exaggerated story about yourself you see that in the humble bragging which i know chinku particularly hates she's always talking about humble bragging i would never have paid attention to humble bragging if she wasn't so um so attuned to it and i find it amusing <laughs> as well um and i've i've written only one scholarly paper about this it's called this title is typical academic title, Troubling Talk, Assembling the PhD Candidate, where I talk about how when people are whinging to each other, this whinging is a form of kind of storytelling, gossip. Like they, these things are all connected, storytelling, whinging, gossiping. Yeah. They're all ways of creating social bonds by talking together basically in the different types of talk. So Troubles Talk is talking about a trouble with someone else and um, often the way you could tell a person how to solve their trouble. That isn't a very polite way to deal with trouble. Talk. The better way is mm. to share a similar trouble, right? And you'll find yourself mm-hmm. doing this all the time. Someone will tell you trouble, you go, oh, yeah, that happened to me, and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And so uh, I, in this paper, I try to unpack and say just because people are complaining all the time doesn't actually necessarily mean that they're unhappy. They might be mm. just actually getting a warm, fuzzy feeling of sharing troubles with each other, which is also a form of gossip as well because the trouble might involve other people. So, mm. like, these are, I think, Always shutting it down. I would guarantee to you that you don't always shut it down, Jason, because you yeah, said, you know, uh, you uh, listen to it sometimes and you let people say it in front of you and you can't always shut it down and you're very, very careful. Like, oh, it sounds like you're an excellent gossip. It sounds like you have great <laughs> rules. Like, it sounds like you are very well managed. Um, anyway, oh, it's hard to talk about it, isn't it? And it's hard, it's hard for me to own up to having an affection for it. But once you start to tune your ear into what's actually really going on, it's endlessly fascinating. That's all I would say. Yeah, I, I think, um, so what you've highlighted to me here is that it's, it's not something that I pay attention to. Oh man, it must be, I must be paying attention to it at some level because you I know are. not to engage in it. Right? Yeah, you are. Yeah. Right, I'm like, mm, ooh, that's dangerous, and stay away from that. Right, like yeah, somewhere yeah. there's there's a bit, but I just I I don't know. I like I've never I don't know. I feel I, <laughs> this is a really uncomfortable conversation for me. You're gonna have the whole next week where you've been going. Is this gossip? <sighs> is it? Would Inga call this gossip? <laughs> I've got, work, I've got a very I've got broad, work to do. broad definition of it. There's a whole bit in the um, in the blog post about autistic people's attitudes to gossip mm. and so on. So, like, I, I think it's very interesting to look at, you know, predispositions some people have to gossip versus others and, you know, and that's partly cultural, might might be mm. partly your neuro traits. But anyway, mm. um so the, I'll put a link to the blog post and to my paper should you be so interested to read my One of the, one of the things I, I enjoyed in your paper, you, I'm just going to quote you, mm. um, not from your paper, from your blog post, where you have said, because this is in my Obsidian vote, uh, oh, vault. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, my my got, everything vault. I got taken into the Obsidian the, vault. 
Fantastic. Under the fold, under the folder of on the reg. Um, being a good end node of gossip, mm. a person to whom someone can tell gossip, but who is trusted not to spread it further, is very powerful. And I like when I read that, I was like, absolutely right. <laughs> I have a vault, and I shut it tight. Mm. And what that means is that people are prepared to share information with me because they know it won't go any further. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like people will say something, and I'll just like go, okay, Roger that. You know, like, and it's and and so they they become indiscreet, and I I don't know what the, what that's about, but you know why the I don't know what they're looking for from me from that sort of stuff. I don't know. I just can't figure it out. Um, but what I will do mm. is I will reveal that I knew the information after it's no longer sensitive. Yeah, <laughs> that's also powerful. That also sends right? a signal to someone else that's like, oh, yeah, I know stuff. I'm the spider in the web. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, someone will go, like, I'll hear about a thing yeah. and I'll know it's coming down the pipe mm, mm. and then I'll keep my mouth tightly shut about mm. that thing. But then later after after the, whatever the thing's happened or it's no longer sensitive and you can discuss it freely and all that sort of stuff, I'll then, I'll then say, yeah, 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 I knew about that. <laughs> and also very powerful, right? Like. You don't yeah. want people to think you don't know this stuff either. Anyway, yeah. pay attention to it a little bit, Jason. Okay. Right. See see, see if you can see it in action. So it's one of those things that once you see it, you can't unsee it. But yep. should we talk about what we're reading? Yes, yes. And if you give me two seconds, mm. I didn't bring my book with me. Mm. Um, but I will go and... I'll go and grab my book. So mm. maybe if you start with what you're reading while I just disappear for two seconds. Okay. You can still hear me though, presumably. Yes, correct. Headphones. Right. Oh, of course. Yes. <laughs> so I read <laughs> I read two books. One of them was my, my friend Stan Emerson's book, which I mentioned before. So What is the It? A Handbook for Proofing Court Judgments by the Federation Press. And Stan, as I said, is the last person to read a high court judgment before it gets published. And it is the most high stakes, pernickety, kind of absolutely details-focused editing you will ever do in your life. In fact, the chapter on citations shocked me. Um, (laughs) I will never complain about APA style again. And I've had my consciousness raised around the irregular restrictive witch in a sentence, oh, and I, the right. difference between which and that I kind of get, and the 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 role of the comma and what the comma is doing, I, I did kind of get that. But he explains it in a really mm. good way, and then he tells you the irregular, restrictive witch. And I'd always couldn't work out why some witches didn't need it. I just knew it by feel, but now I know mm-hmm. why. Uh, I won't explain mm. it. Um, but suffice to, say, <laughs> suffice to say that if that level of copy editing nerdery floats your boat, then Stan's book is what you need. And if you are teaching law students, definitely. They're not, oh, they're, yeah. it's something they're asked to do when they go into practice, particularly if they work for a judge, but they're never trained mm. for it. And when I was reading, I was like, God, how would you ever know how to do this? Like you're not trained to be a copy editor. And Stan has a law degree and is a copy editor. And the, um, mm. it's very, um, it's actually very interesting to just enter in someone else's world about how they do their work and think that's related to my world a bit and to understand that better. Just, yes. Just like the, you know, if you decided to edit what a, a judgment, yes, somebody else's judgment, mm. um, choosing which word to include, which one to. 
change, where to put the comma, all of that sort of stuff. It would be so, so important, right? Like, yeah. Well, you one would of the be constantly does, asking, yeah. did what I does get it that sentence mean? Did right? I shift it? Like you could shift yeah. it so easily. And he actually says he does everything on paper and he, every word he reads, he does a blue tick. He reads that slowly. Yep. Like he has to read that slowly. Yep. I was like, wow. Um, the other book I read really quickly was Still Like an Artist by Austin Cleon, which is quite fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just sort of about creative process. When, um, it was mentioned again on the Focused podcast. Um, oh, yeah. It's like, oh, every time they mention a book, and they always do it in passing, I always download it. And it's always good. They've got good taste. So yeah, yeah. That was good. Oh, good. They're my two books. What about you, Jason? Okay. You came back with a pile. What's going on? I came back with a pile of books. <laughs> so last weekend, after we recorded on the reg, we went to the theatre. Yes. Um, over in St Kilda, so a bit of a drive, and it was also the same weekend that they had the Melbourne Marathon on, so that was a bit of an epic drive. Mm. Um, the and m- my wife, bless her, loves a good op shop. Yes, like like loves she should. A good yes, yes, loves a good op shop. So while we were driving around St Kilda trying to find a car park, which was almost in- bloody impossible, we ended mm. up finding one that was just opposite the. Op shop for oh, Salvation Army op shop. I t- can't think of the name of the mm. actual church there on Grace Street. Anyway, um, so we had a little bit of time up our sleeves because we left with plenty of time to make sure that we mm. could do that. Jumped into the op shop, bought some kitchenware, which as I was very does. excited yes, about, yes. As, as one does, for $4. But I also bought two books yes. for 50 cents each. Oh, score. I know, right? So <laughs> this is the this is the oh, first this one. Very much like yours. It's a big grey cover. It's got fluorescent yellow writing on it, and the title is "Never Quit." Never I can't read quit. the rest. Something or other. Something so it's a book. Other. It's a book about how I became a special ops parachute jumper. <laughs> so it's the whole story about. I had no idea that these people existed, but um, they're like rescue people for special operations. People. Oh, really? So yeah, they're special operations. Folk who go and rescue other special operations. Wow, that must be hardcore, <laughs> like the hardest of hardcore ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he starts the story, he starts the book by talking about how they had been dropped in Alaska, had been dropped out of a helicopter on a training exercise. And um, the the whole training exercise is that they jump out of a helicopter into the frozen Alaskan ocean water thing, lake, whatever I don't know. <laughs> and then the helicopter goes around, it does a it does a loop, and it comes back, and they have to pick them out again, right? That's that's the whole training thing. <clears throat> Except in this instance, the helicopter couldn't pick them back out again, and so it's the middle of the night. It's midnight. Him and his swim buddy have jumped out of this helicopter into the frozen Alaskan water, and then the helicopter. For 20 minutes, they try and haul them back out of the water. Can't do it. Helicopter leaves. Huh? <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, yeah, and that's where he, that's where it kind of ends that opening gambit of the book, right? Oh, gosh. And then the rest the rest of the book is like, you know, I started, I was a young lad growing up in the Alaskan wilderness and I'm a, you know, <laughs> long-distance runner and I went to uni and blah, 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 blah. But it's his autobiography about how he becomes this kind of specialist parachute Rescue type dude for and the clearly Air Force. he got out fact, of that lake. Clearly he well, solved they, that. Well, he wrote problem. the book. Yes, right. So yes, so, so. <laughs> you know he's not so, in uh, intense danger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but there's lots of lots of photographs of him in Afghanistan and places like that, and he talks about black, black hawks in <laughs> mountainous Afghanistan, you know, that sort of stuff. So, fifty cents. So I'm, I'm about half of the way through. Oh, that's that good. One. Good value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other one, 
I've picked up. Okay, so there's a rather attractive man, mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, yeah, there's sure. a scruff there. I don't mind a scruff. I'm married mm-hmm. to a scruff. Um, <laughs> next to his ear there is a helicopter and it says, yep. Survivor, life in the SAS by someone yes. in Wales. Mark Wales. So this is an Austra- this is, uh, Australian. This whole uh, genre of books I just don't read, but clearly yeah, they're yeah. very popular. Except they're yeah, 50 yes. cents in the op shop, so. Well, 50 cents. Uh, it was a bargain, I thought. So yeah. this one, very much same sort of deal. It's uh, my life, how I grew up, and um, I joined the SAS and I did all this sort of stuff. What is refreshing about this particular one, though, is he talks to the downside of all of that. So it's not sort of some macho hero stuff. Mm. He talks about the pressures and he talks about the impact on mental health and all that sort of stuff as well. Good for so him. It's a very, yes. Yeah, it's a, it's a very a very raw book in that sense in that, it, you know, he eventually left the SAS, um, went and worked for McKinsey's and, like, just all this sort of it's stuff. An interesting and, career and, trajectory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's a... He's like a speaker, motivational, you know, business speaker. Yeah, blah, probably blah, gets twenty five k a talk. See, yeah, I, do you know how much I cost per talk? Nothing. I do it for free. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't teach for free, but like, I do a talk for free. And then someone said to me the other day, "What's your appearance fee?" I'm like, "I don't have one." And they're like, "Oh, so and so is twenty five. Let's see the gossip." So and so costs this, and so and so costs that. And I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm just talking to people. I think maybe you should re-examine your business model. Oh, I don't know. Oh, we, we need to do that. I do need to do mm. that. They're the two. Very much. Are you still going much- on your secret project of is this book bullshit? Okay. Yeah, I know, but I did get sidetracked by did parachute you? jumpers. Yeah, fair. Yeah. fair. It's understandable. Um, rescue some stuff. Yeah, yeah. With the mind um, um, and a, and an, an eye to getting you to your gym. Yes, right? because I, we, yes. I, what have we got? 24, 24 minutes and I have to be in the gym. Right. So a class uh, two starts. minute tips really have to be two minutes. Uh, this segment yep. is on David Allen, classic getting things done book. If a task take less than two minutes, blah, blah, blah. Not really, because we just share a little hack or something. Uh-huh. Uh, and other podcasts would say it at the start, Jason, but we leave it at the end as a treat. Um, yep. Mine is I finally followed that advice of only three things on your to-do list. Yes. Yes. Like Good I, advice. I give that advice out all the time and I don't follow it. I have this massive to-do list, but instead in my bullet journal I kept it to three things this week. Uh, yes, it works. Excellent. You should do that is all I can say because you can cross yes. three things off and feel a great sense of accomplishment. And then, like, if you only did those three things, at least you finished your list. But if you get more things done, you feel even better about it. So I think I'm going to keep doing that in the Bujo, taking everything off my Omni and my Teams board and writing the three most important things down and just doing those three. And That's all you can do. Everything else is gravy rather than fool yep. myself. Yeah. The value of that, of course, um, is that you have to choose. You do have to choose, and that takes a little while right. to do that in yeah, the morning, yeah. and you've got to make it's, some hard choices. Yeah. Yep. Which one am I going to do? Yeah. Which one am I going to do? Yep, 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 yep. And I don't have enough time in the day for all of these things, so which ones? Yeah. And it really sharpens your attention around um, 
what you can actually do and what you're going to have to renegotiate. Because David Allen talks about this a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, you, have, you have to either renegotiate with yourself or you have to renegotiate with others when your task list just gets too big. Correct. So, or you just um, crack the shits and write a really whiny email to your boss that's so whiny that she <laughs> goes and finds someone to help you. Thanks, boss. Was good. Not, a, not everyone can go and find two extra whole humans to come and help you with I know, your job, but right? see, bosses yeah. can do that. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, I know. Not, I don't think those sure humans, to... I'm not sure those humans have time to do it, but then that's not my problem. Yeah, I suppose. I guess they'll just have to be managed and somehow the work will have to be squeezed. And prioritisation will have to happen. Yep. Yes. Yep. Do you have a two-minute um, tip, Jason? I do, I do. Um, Google yes. them, yes. have just released a uh, service. So to get to this, you go to myaccount.google.com mm-hmm. forward slash security. Yes. Um, and then so you, you click on your little, you, you sign into Google Chrome, you click on your little profile to get to the profile page. I'm doing that um, right now, yes. Okay. Yes. And then on the left-hand side, you go to security. Yes. I better not do that. It took me away from the show notes. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. And then you scroll all the way to the very bottom and see if your email address is on the dark web. So oh. the yes, they've released a service. So you have to be a Google – you have to have a Gmail account or an Android phone yes. for this to work so far and see if your email address is on the dark web. And then you run a scan and then it will pop up and it will tell you whether or not your information has been released onto the dark web or not. Yeah, yeah. And guess what? Bloody hell. It is. You're done. You're out. It's we in the toddler's pool. Ah, damn it. Yeah. So go and check. No doubt I'm I'm compromised as well. Yeah. So I don't mind because I, you know, use a password manager and I don't use the same password more than once ever. Yeah. And Um, two-factor authentication. You know, can't say enough it's about not it. A major, it's not a major um, yeah. problem for me. Yeah. But, uh, yes. Every time I get shitty so, about two-factor auth on Google, I'll be thankful that I have got it, though. Yeah. 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 Um, because you you hear the stories about people, you know, someone gets into their email and then once they're in there, they can go pretty much anywhere and do anything. Yeah, really. well, I had a genetic test through 23andMe to prove that I was a clone of my sister. Really? Yeah, yeah. We what? we didn't know that we were identical until we took this test and we were clones, 100%. Wow. Yeah. And they had a big data breach and so now all my yeah. genetic data is potentially out there. That doesn't make me feel yeah. good, Jason. It does not. Because no. I didn't have two-factor no. authentication on there because I never go there. I had a test yeah. once and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Actually, it was a really information I wanted to know, but now yeah. everyone else knows it too. Um, yeah. I am... I am on your side, Jason, when it comes to your health goals. Yes, thank you. So I'm moving us into the pipe so you've got time to put your shoes on. Thanks for listening, everyone. We love reviews and we read all of them. The best place to leave them is in the Apple Podcast. Scroll down to the bottom. We actively Mm -hmm. use them to shape the show. I haven't had a look to see if we have any new ones because, you know, the meat grinder only stopped on Thursday. Um, (laughs) uh, If you want to join us with a question, just like Lucy did this time, and or to tell us about your dog, you could make a bid for being the other canine mascot. We can have more than one, <laughs> just like Alison did. Speakpipe.com forward slash thesis whisperer. 
we'd love to hear from you. You can find us both on Mastodon. So I'm on Oz.Socialist Thesis Whisper and Jason's on RaveNation.Club as Jason Downs. But you can also find us on Blue Sky where I am, Mm. unsurprisingly, Thesis Whisperer, and you are. Mm. Oh, I don't know. I like to just join (laughs) Dr. If you go by me, like have a look back in my timeline and you'll see me skiding about having bullied you into it as like (laughs) Dr. Dr. JD, something rather, what is it? I didn't even know they had a phone app, right? Like I was so, I was like. I didn't know they had a desktop app. So we both learned something from that exchange. Um, On Blue Sky, you are. Dr. JD, D-R-J-D. DRJD at blue sky dot whatever. Just like search for Thesis Whisperer and you'll find find us talking. We have decided that's where we will do our banter between episodes. So if you want to see us banter and put together episodes in real time, that's the place to watch us. So follow both of us. That would be fun, I hope, for you. Um, (laughs) That's all she wrote. Time for you to go to the gym. Time for me to go and have breakfast with my friend Stan to celebrate. The What is the his It book. book. Again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he awesome. had his book launch, but why not also have lunch? You're allowed to go out. Yeah. So yeah. have a good time at the gym. Enjoy that. All right, we'll do. Get real sweaty. Strength. Yeah. All right. right. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye. Hi, team. I couldn't resist adding a little coda in here just after I edited it because the song that my son Brennan showed me on the internet, I had to look it up after we recorded this. And look, it's so fun. I thought I'd just put a little snippet at the end. I'll put the link in the show notes, but if you're wondering, it's called The Fine Print and it's from a computer game at The Outer World and it's on YouTube by The Stupendium. Go look it up.
just fill out the paperwork and you could look around. We're happy as can be inside the valley cannery. We live to pack the cans and eat and have to question where it's down until we end up in the ground around the corner in the yard. You know, we thought we liked the sound of finding glory in the stars. The board has taught us to be proud of never reaching very far. So we don't know.